Welcome to The Vital Vagina, where we delve into brave and crucial conversations about the womb and feminine power. This podcast is not just for people with vaginas. We all come from the womb, and there is much for everyone to learn from this place of deep wisdom. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle Cornelius. I'm a chiropractor and holistic pelvic care provider. I've been working in the feminine healing realm for nearly a decade, and I am honored to bring this work and these stories to light. I am so tickled to have Evian Whitney on my podcast. She was actually one of the inspirations for me getting this one going. She's got a podcast of her own called The Sexually Liberated Woman, and I highly recommend checking it out. She is a wealth of knowledge. She is she's just such an encouraging, wonderful person and I love the work that she's doing to help people come into their more sensual natures and our conversation is really interesting we go into lots of different topics but I um, as someone who's been listening to her podcast for a long time I often get to hear about other people and I was really always wanting to learn more about her and her background so I got a chance to ask her a bunch of questions so hey Evian hi How's it going? It's going really well. How are you? Really well. Thank you so much for being one of my very first conversations on this podcast. I'm so excited. Like when you first told me that you were doing a podcast, I screamed because I'm really, really excited to not only just like be here, but to also learn from you and yeah, to have everyone else learn from you. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. And you actually helped inspire me a little bit because um, I think my coach told me I really should do a podcast when I was thinking about where I want to put content. And um, it was right after you had interviewed me on your podcast, and I got a lot of attention from that. And so it really gave me kind of a boost to to go forward. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, I loved that conversation. I still get so many people who come up to me. Um, and I say come up to me as though people are actually like coming up to me, but like <laughs> people who put like, you know, send send me messages, emails, things like that, saying that that particular episode about pelvic health and yoni eggs, it just really changed things for them. So yeah, I'm I'm so pleased to have been one of the catalysts to get you to start your own podcast. Yay. Yeah, the conversation is so important. And I'm really glad that people are so much more open to just talking about these things in the open than they were before yeah. like, when I first started. Yeah. yeah, because we need it. You know, I mean, there's so many people who listen to that particular episode and were like, oh my gosh, I had no idea e- even like about like what pelvic health care looks like, you know, which is wild to me to think that here we are in the year 2018. And um, yeah, we, we just don't have those kinds of conversations or people don't have this kind of information. So yeah. Wow. It's really, it's incredible to me too, because I take it for granted now. I've been doing this work for quite a while. And so like, I'll just start talking about vaginas like (laughs) everywhere I go. And I forget sometimes some people's faces will turn red or or they're just not quite ready for it. It's very jarring. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same way with me and my work. Like I I talk about sex so often that it just doesn't really phase me anymore. And it's only when someone asks me what I do. And I tell them, they're like, oh, my gosh. And I forget that like that that is a thing. Like it is taboo for some people. 
Yeah, well, that's the perfect segue. Why don't you tell us uh, who you are and what you do? Yeah, so um, my name is Evian Whitney. I call myself a sexuality doula. Uh, I'm a sex educator and a sex activist. And uh, basically what my work looks like is helping to facilitate, educate, and heal women and femme-identifying folks um, out of their sexual shame, their sexual trauma, and get them into erotic expressions that feel good for them, that feel liberating to them, whatever that looks like. Oh, that's beautiful. What, like, what's your story? What led you to this work? Oh my gosh. Um, well, first I want to say that this was not the job that I thought I was going to be doing with my life. Uh, <laughs> I was actually going into a totally different, uh, direction. I was, uh, I, I originally went to school for cosmetology. I was a hairdresser for a little bit and I ended up hating it. Um, but one thing that I realized that was a common thread um, amidst jobs that I just was not enjoying doing was that I always came back to writing. And so uh, during this time when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, uh, I was going through some pretty challenging times in my own my own relationship regarding sex and sexuality. And um, I was using writing as a way to process those things. I was using writing as a way to understand who I was uh, as a sexual person and to try to figure out why I was having all of these sexual hangups. And um, I actually... I instead of doing it in a regular diary format where no one else reads it, I created a blog where I was talking about my sexual hangups and and things like that. And um, shortly after I started writing about those things and then also just writing about the things that I was curious about and the things that I was learning based on uh, the healers and teachers that I was learning from, a lot of people were asking me when I was going to teach workshops or when I was going to write a book or how they could work with me. And uh, this was pretty early on. I'd say within the first year of me coming out publicly with this particular blog, um, and I was looking at these people like, are you crazy? Like, why on earth would you want to learn from me? I know nothing. Uh, but it took a couple years before I finally started thinking about actually doing this work in a real way. Uh, because I, I kept hearing it. I kept hearing people saying, I, I want to work with you. I feel like because I know who you are and because of how vulnerable you've made yourself about your own struggles, like that makes me feel like I can trust you. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, after maybe about two, yeah, maybe about three years after I started writing was when I finally took the plunge and was like, all right, let's see about me creating a practice where I work with women one on one to help them out of their sexual shame and to give them tools and resources to embrace their sexuality in ways that feel really good for them. And initially, when I first started doing these one on one sessions, I told myself that, um, I was probably going to hate it and I was probably going to be bad at it. And uh, after that, then I, I could just like leave and never do it again. But I, I did about maybe 10 sessions in that first month. And I was, I, I just, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the work and I was really helping people, which so surprised me. I was like, wow, I actually do know a thing or two. And so basically um, it's been about, almost nine years that I've been doing this work, uh, both in the writing realm and then also in the one-on-one -on -one, um, work. And I'm this is, this is my life's purpose. This is what I'm going to be doing as a career for the rest of my life. Oh, isn't that such a great feeling? It is such a great feeling, especially because <laughs> like I... 
I just remember having these really hard and frustrating conversations with my parents who were like, you need to go to college. You need to go to school. You need to like my both my parents thought that I was going to be uh, like my my mom wanted me to be a news broadcaster. She was very very yeah. like gung ho about that, and uh, <laughs> so so. But I I was I had no I just I, I knew that I wanted to do something more, and I knew that I I wanted to use my unique story, my writing, my voice to help others, and it it feels really gratifying to see all of these pieces come together in, in such a big way like that. Mm, she was probably having visions of you like in media like you're doing right now yeah. which is like the paradigm her psyche would have understood it in at that time that's that's a really interesting <laughs> that's a really interesting thing to think about because i i ha- yeah that's i haven't thought about it in that way you know when she first told me that she wanted she wanted me to be a news broadcaster i'm like oh my god this is not what i want to do at all like i don't want to do the big hair i don't want to do the the news broadcaster voice that is not me and um and even even though I'm totally not in that realm or in that industry, I've definitely had to be put in places where I'm, you know, speaking or where my face is in front of a camera or I'm getting interviewed. And so that's that's really interesting. I should mention that to her. She'll get a kick out of that, knowing that like all along you knew. <laughs> Maybe it didn't turn out the way that you thought it would, but yeah. Well the world has changed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Speaking of your mom, that was one of my the best podcast uh, or episodes that you have was listening to you and your mom talk to each uh, other. I thought it was so cute. so cute. Thank you. Yeah, it that is by far one of my favorites. I'd say the episode that I did with my sister is my second favorite because wow. uh, those those conversations were just so raw and so vulnerable. And the one thing that I tell people who are like, I loved that conversation. I'm like, I had no idea what was going to happen. Uh, particularly yeah. with my mom, there are a lot of things she said in that conversation that was brand news to me. So um, it was just a yeah. really beautiful experience to hear her story to give her space to tell her story, you know, because I don't think that there was anyone who was asking her questions about her sex life or, you know, her sexual upbringing and, you know, the the traumas and and experiences that she had growing up. So it was it was a really, really cool experience. Mm, I love that. Yeah, it's true. So many women, especially just don't get their stories told. And um yeah, it's especially when this in this pelvic space when it comes to sex or vaginas or the womb or pregnancy or pregnancy loss or all this whole realm of stuff that gets it just it stays hidden and it's really sad and it's it's really heartwarming to me that all of us are starting to speak more openly about all of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and for my mom, especially, you know, she's from a totally different generation. I mean, she has an iPhone, she has a blog, and I think occasionally she'll use Instagram, but like she wasn't brought up in this in this world in the way that I was to be like, yeah, if, if you've got your life, like flaunt it, talk about these things. You know, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm surrounded by people who are constantly talking about their sex lives, probably because of the work that I do. But I also just think that people are a lot more open uh, than people were like 50 years ago. And so I think for my mom, 
I don't know if she thought that she had permission to talk about that. And I, I even remember her saying like, why would you want to hear my story? Like, I'm just some old woman. And I'm like, no, are you kidding oh, me? Like, yeah. we need to hear stories like yours. Um, and, and not just the younger generation, like not just folks like me, but other women who are in your generation need to hear those stories too. And yeah, it was just, it was incredibly healing. And it's so funny right after... <laughs> Right after that uh, conversation, she was like, so when are we going to do the next episode? Um, I have ideas. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so now yeah. she's, she's wanting to um, potentially start her own podcast, which I mean, I don't know if that's going to go anywhere, but, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it that it inspired her to want to speak more. I've noticed that when I work in circles, as people share more of these stories, they realize like, oh, it's not just me. And it's... Um, I don't know. It's just really amazing to watch what people from all different generations sharing with each other. Yeah. yeah. Um, that ma- makes me wonder um, your clientele. Do you work with mostly people of like the millennial generation or are you finding that there's a, w- people of all ages that are interested in your work? I've had people from all ages, which is really, which surprised me at first, um, mostly because I struggle with imposter syndrome. And so when 50 year old women were coming to me wanting answers and, you know, uh, guidance regarding their sex lives. I was like, are you kidding? Like, I'm a young whippersnapper. I know nothing. You've been on this earth longer than I have. Like, why Why should you listen to me? Uh, but I, I quickly learned that the wisdom that I have um, to give will absolutely and has absolutely affected them uh, and has made made their sexual liberation journeys that much more rich and more healing. Uh, I would say predominantly I get women who are between the ages of like 20, 22 and like 35. But the oldest woman that I've worked with, I think she was, uh, I think she was like 50, 54. So, um, and it's just, it's, it's the one thing that I'm realizing about this work is that like, no matter how old you are, like this, this stuff affects us all, you know, it may not show up in the exact same ways, but we all have similar histories and similar traumas, uh, around sex and sexuality. We have, we all have the same taboos, you know? So, um, I, I feel really, really lucky to have clients who entrust me, with their stories and allow me to hold space for them and, and guide them in this process, which is really scary, especially like the one woman that I was working with who was in her fifties, she'd never really talked about sex. Uh, and yeah. she, she'd never had an orgasm, you know? And so there's a lot of shame for her in, in being able to be like, I raised kids. Like I was married for 20 plus years and here I am. I, I have no idea who I am as a sexual being. There's a lot of shame that comes with that. And so I just feel really lucky that there are people out there who see me, see the work that I do and, and understand the ethos behind the work that I do and, and trust me with those stories because they're really vulnerable. Mm, yeah, I have that experience in my work too. Yeah. And the more, the deeper you go into it and the more you hear these stories, it's just quite profound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, well, now I want to know more about your um, 
what's the challenge that you do on Instagram? What do you do once every couple of months or yeah, so? Yeah. So uh, last, well, I, yeah, this year I started the sensual selfie challenge, which uh, happened in March, which was great. It was a wonderful experience. Uh, lots, lots and lots of people showed up for that. And then I did it again in September, kind of following the same, uh, the same guidelines, uh, the same format. And I, I believe I like tripled the amount of people who, who took the challenge, which like blew my mind. I, I was not uh, physically, emotionally, energetically prepared for that much um, for for that much participation. Uh, but basically, the sensual selfie challenge is a challenge I created that inspires and encourages women and femme identifying folks to take naked selfies um, of themselves. And sometimes they're not naked. I noticed that uh, some people felt more comfortable just being um, being fully clothed, but having a essential essence come through in their selfies. But really, like I created this as a way for people to celebrate their sexualities and to celebrate their bodies and um, and to also create this really amazing community where we could look at other people's photos and see that like, you know, there's so many different body types, colors, shapes, sizes, ages, and we all get to claim that we are sexual beings. We all get to claim that we are sensual beings. Uh, and yeah, it, it, it was like born in my kitchen <laughs> the first time that I started thinking about it, I was like, I should do a challenge and it should be like a selfie challenge. But I had a lot of concerns about that because, um, you know, I wasn't sure if if people would show up to do it because, I mean, taking sensual photos on the internet is really... Uh, risky business. Uh, and, and, yeah. and, and I mean, it, it, it is for all of us, you know, but especially for folks like me who are folks who aren't like me, who aren't doing work like this. I mean, it can really like tarnish your reputation because, you know, yeah. 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 Um, but the, yeah. The, the other part that I was thinking of that almost made me not do it is because, you know, I've heard so many people say that taking selfies is frivolous and it's vanity and it's superficial. And so there was this part of me that thought, I don't think anyone's going to want to actually do this because there's better things to do. You know, like there are other causes that we can take up rather than taking selfies. And sure enough, I mean, I think that this is really, really resonated with people in a way that I did not even recognize. And I'm already thinking like, oh my gosh, if I do this again, I need a little bit more reinforcement because it was it was, just, it was yeah. a lot. It was beautiful. There was so much joy, so much celebration, but there was also a lot of like hard stuff that was coming up for people. Yeah, I can imagine probably lots of different layers of hard oh, stuff yeah. on many different levels. Yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, we had people who were being accosted in their Instagram private messages by men trying to solicit them for sex. Um, I mean, we had some really unfortunate things happen where someone actually lost her job because her job found out that she was taking photos like these. Someone like someone from her job saw and then that person told their job like it was just it's it was it was crazy it was just crazy and um obviously i don't i don't want for that to happen to anyone and i remember feeling a sense of blame of like oh my gosh i i all i wanted was for this to be freeing and celebrating and for people to find a sense of liberation in it but it actually cause some great hardships for people, you know, which lets me know that there is so much work that needs to be done. 
There's so much work that needs to be done. And it says a lot more about the the systems than it does about your yeah. work. Because you were just, it's, you know, your work is also an act of resistance um, to teach people how to especially come into their sensuality and um, do it in a way that um, has their own boundaries. I've, you know, I've paid some attention to that during the time and I could see um, how you were really good at holding really firm boundaries and teaching other people how to do that for themselves. And unfortunately, the world we live in is dangerous. Yeah. And um, it's kind of is what it is at the moment. Yeah. And this is what we're all we're all kind of learning how to deal with and push past. And it's a lot. The, the patriarchy and the white supremacist system is pretty heavy. And so anytime you push up against it, you're going to get some pushback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I appreciate you for saying that because, you know, the one thing that I realized during this last round of the challenge is that I I can only hold space so much. And I, and I I feel like this comes up a lot in the work that I do too, not just with this challenge, but also with the work that I do one-on-one with people. It's so important that I take care of myself. It's so important that I do the best that I can not to uh, be responsible for other people's stuff. You know, I mean, to a certain extent, that's part of my job. Uh, but beyond that, like, it's not my job to internalize it. It's not my job to like fix anything. It's not my job to like help people, you know, uh, heal, heal themselves in ways that like I can't uh, do that for them, you know? So, yeah. None of us can. None yeah, of us can. Yeah, like I mean, I'm I'm always coming back to the realization that like my job is to um is to guide people. It's to hold space for people and let them and give them permission to find parts of themselves and reclaim parts of themselves that haven't been able to be expressed because of the patriarchy, because of white supremacy, because of racism, all of these things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's hard work. It is so hard. I actually want to know like what you do to take care of yourself because I mean, my work, I'm not actually putting physical hands on people. And I always think about people who are doctors, massage therapists, people who actually work in person on people with their own hands. Like um, I imagine that it's just as if not more uh, uh, exhausting and and energetically, emotionally taxing. So I'd love to hear about like how you take care of yourself and what sort of boundaries you keep for yourself. Yeah, um, that was really hard for me in the very beginning. Um, and people would tell you not to take people's stuff on, but nobody would tell you how to not do that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, I'm in this field because I want to help people. So I, chances are I'm pretty empathic and I don't even know I'm taking on other people's stuff until it's right. too late. Um, but uh, Tammy Kent actually is when I when I started studying with her, I started really, really learning how to hold boundaries. Um, in the first few years of practice, if if a case came in that really hit me in the heart, like I would go home and cry. Like I was just like I would be like, oh man, I would just carry the weight of the world yeah. on my shoulders. Um, but I started to learn how how that's not also not serving people. Like we all have to walk through our journeys, and um, there's a certain amount of, and we're all capable of it. And so um, that that started helping me on the intellectual mm-hmm. level. Um, And I also started to being able to see how resilient people are. And so that helped me. And then when I'm hovering over them, Tammy can't said one time, you know, when you plant a seed, you don't want to like hover over the seed and be like, why aren't you growing? So true. (laughs) 
you know, you won't, it won't get any of its rain. It won't get any of the sunlight it needs. You have to kind of, and then you just need, when it's a garden, you know, you just need to water it a little bit and let it integrate and do its thing. So I just have a lot of faith in the capacity for Mm -hmm. healing. Um, And so that has helped me a lot. And I also have learned how to stand in the face of pain and darkness and hold space for that and not um, get too swayed by it and not feel like I'm supposed to be the one to fix Mm -hmm. it. Um, I'm just there to like hold yeah. space. Ooh, those are um, lessons I'm still I'm learning. Not, <laughs> yeah, it's hard. And you know, certain cases will come through and they'll be, you know, it'll get kind of through that boundary. I also have had to learn how to like very consciously in the beginning, I had to like tell myself like their energy is separate from mm-hmm. my energy and they're separate from me. And I would have to do like visualization certain visualizations and little rituals like when I start my day and when I end my day just to kind of mark like okay this is the space for that and here's space yeah. for me oh yeah I, like I said I'm still I'm still learning those things I feel like it's a constant process of because it, there's there's also an unlearning that has to happen for me like I mm-hmm. what you were talking about in terms of re- being reminded that like people are really resilient I think I forget that you know, I, I forget that there, that people have the capacity to heal themselves, and like it's not my job necessarily to heal them. It's it's my job to give them permission to access that part of themselves that that knows that they can heal themselves. Uh, but it's hard. It's so hard to to remember that, especially as a chronic caretaker, like a chronic nurturer, like me. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm yeah. just like, no. Do you need stuff? I'll give you everything that you need. I know. <laughs> Like the, the, you and I both have yes. that Virgo. <laughs> There's a lot of um, strength in Virgo, and well, like everything has a strength and a downfall. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, Virgo yeah. energy. Yeah. Virgo energy can be funny that way, um, but it's it can be a beautiful thing the way we like to serve. Um, and Virgo also is the sign of like a woman unto herself, or the sign of sovereignty, mm-hmm. and so kind of also remember like we are all our own people have you ever worked with a coach or um uh like a counselor or anybody who you felt like was just directing you so much that you couldn't even like integrate have i like Ugh, yeah i'm trying to think have i i don't th- i don't think that i have and and i don't know if that's because like i have good experiences <laughs> in picking people yeah. um or not but yeah i i usually i don't know i just yeah, I, I don't have that problem. Thank God. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. I haven't really had that too much either because I have strong boundaries yeah. for myself, especially. But, um, you know, there is something to be said just for kind of gently nudging people along and their self-esteem will be so much better when you allow them to go through that. a lot of that learning yourself. You're just facilitating. And you, like me and Shara and a lot of other people doing this type of work have become like, utter nerds for for this work that we do so we've just become like knowledge banks that people come to because they haven't had the time or the you know that passion to like just devour all this information so that's that's what you're offering them it's not that they can't that they that you really have something that they don't have to to be able to heal it's it's just that you've decided to hold space for that specific type yeah. of healing for people when they're ready for it at that time. And you can't control the outcome or what people end up doing. Everyone has right, free will. Right. Oh, so true. So true. <laughs> free yourself. Free yourself. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that was a good yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a question that I am trying to get into the practice of asking other healers, other people who do this like really important work around facilitating healing for others. I just, yeah, I think we we need to be talking about self care more. You know, I the one question that I think about a lot. And I think I heard this through a therapy session that I was in years ago was like, who heals the healers? You know, like who holds space for the space holders? Who's the one that is giving medicine to the medicine women? You know, and I'm always thinking about that for myself. I don't always have the answer to that question, but I'm, I'm, I'm always aiming to try to be better for myself. I think that goes back to some of the cultural issues that we have or the systemic issues that we have in our systems, because I it's bringing to mind a story one of my teachers told me and right now I'm not remembering who it was. So hopefully that'll come to me later. Um, But they were talking about how back when we were a little more tribal, and there were shamans in the cultures, like the, the whole culture would take care of the shaman, they would feed them Mm -hmm. and clothe them and them because they understood that 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 work that they did was so deep and important and like so necessary that they didn't have to like also go like do the right, <laughs> you know? right. So, right. and you know so like I think that's part of being um, when we live a little bit more in alignment with nature I think we would instinctively take care of our healers mm-hmm. a little bit better we would also have a lot more honor around sex and we would have a lot more honor around people like bodies and all all the things I feel like so many of the little things that, that are such major ills in our culture I feel like are connected to like how disconnected yeah. we are from natural cycles Absolutely. and when I heard that I I just remember it hitting me really hard like oh that's so true and that's what we really need to be doing is taking care of our healers and I mean it it sucks that we in in this I mean I'm I'm sure that there are there are things that we can do but it's not built into our culture in that way like we have to try extra hard to put those practices into place you know and I mean I've been thinking about this a lot because things have been really really busy on my end with work in ways that hasn't haven't ever been before so it's and i'm i'm the type of person that will do everything like i will have calls with my clients and then i will cook a full dinner from scratch and i will be taking care of my elderly dog and i will be doing laundry you know and like i'm these days i've been trying to give myself permission to be like let's see if we can delegate that to someone else even if it means like i don't make dinner i'm going to spend extra money to get something delivered to me or i ask my husband to take the dog out or or i even if if i check in with myself and i'm just not feeling great and i have to reschedule my clients for the day i mean it's it's so important to have those things um be a priority but it's really hard to ask for that help it really is. Um, and we're all getting a lot better about it. Like, and I've noticed too, uh, there's so many of us are getting better at like kind of going with the flow and asking for support. Um, and then we all still will feel guilty about it too. Like, I'm so sorry. Can we reschedule? Right. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And it always comes with us. I'm so sorry. And I'm grateful because I keep, I've been in this realm for several years now. And so we've all gotten so much better about just like letting some of the pressure of, all of that kind of go and trust that it's all going to kind of, the timing's going to work out. Okay. Um, The other thing that came to my mind when you were telling that story and now it just left. Well, I I will (laughs) say that that is one of my favorite things about my friendship with you. I feel like you have been 
perhaps the only person in my life who has given me that kind of grace. Like if I have to say, hey, I'm not feeling good today or I'm in a weird mental health space or like shit happened and I I have to reschedule. Mm -hmm. I never feel from you like a sense of guilt or a sense of like, oh, that sucks. You're just like, yeah, no worries. Like I can flow with you. And that's been like just watching you be able to receive me with so much grace and and to give me so much compassion and space to, to do my own thing and to just be flexible. It's been such a gift. And um, I'm so grateful for that. Not just because like you're awesome and I feel really, really special to be able to like call you a friend and that you can give me that space, but I'm also gifting that to other people. You know, like my, my sister has chronic pain and sometimes when we're trying to see each other, she has to cancel last minute because she's like, I'm having a pain flare there's no way that I can make it or I'm feeling really tired before I would have been like, Oh my God, you're canceling again. Or like, why didn't you tell me that 24 hours ago? I need 24 hour notice. But like, but like these days I'm just like, no, it's fine. Like take care of your body. I'll be here for you. If you need anything, I'm happy to flow with you. And so, yeah, I just, I really just wanted to highlight that because that's been one of the most profound parts for me on, on my end of our, of our friendship. Oh, thank you. Um, and that does remind me of oh, what good. I was I'm thinking glad. and how much, <laughs> how much that we, we just need to start building that yeah. into our community. I'm constantly, constantly telling women, especially because they're the ones that t- tend to hold on more and femme people in general, like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, and it's like, no, right. <laughs> just we can give each other more permission and the more we relax guilt um, on uh, for other people um, and the more we also trust that we can be in each other's lives for long periods of time and that that we can't be in er- everyone can't be up each other's butts yeah, all the time seriously <laughs> there's a lot for all of us to go around and um, we can go deep into time right. also and so I always just remind myself that time is now but it also is in the future mm-hmm. and um, it's okay Hey, like the cycles come back right. around again and here we are we always we always end up finding yeah. a time yeah i mean this uh, having this conversation is a huge testament to that <laughs> i think it was the same thing for our last yeah. one too when i was on yours it was like yeah, uh, yeah. you know um, i personally like i just i used to be cr- like so hardcore about time which is funny so I like fully switched because I was so intense about it that I when I relaxed it I relaxed it like as much as I was intense yeah, before yeah so I got to see what it felt like to have like to be really frustrated at somebody for like having a hard day or like having pain and because they're not on my like minute by minute schedule right. so once I once I saw like how absurd that was, I just let it go yeah, fully. Well, especially in in this day and age, I just I feel like I'm I'm I have the capacity more so now than ever before to give people space because shit is fucked up right now. <laughs> like really, really oh. bad. Like we have so much stuff that we're holding on to, so many things that we're having to process. I mean, things have always been hard, you know, and we all go through our challenges, but I mean the the onslaught especially in this like political climate that we're in, it's it's just been yeah. so rough. And knowing that, knowing that like we're all in this soup that feels really like hopeless sometimes and just like it, we're 
we're, it feels like we're being constantly inundated with bad news or, or anxieties or worries. Like I, I feel like I am able to give people a little bit more permission to just like not be on my timetable. Cause I'm like, things are, the shit is real, you know, like it's really yeah. hard out there. Well, and I stopped worrying about time so much because it clicked with me that that's what the patriarchy really is, is like everything. It has to oh be my on God, a that's time it, clock. Right there. That's it. And so I was like, well, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's kind of like where that, you know, we, when we talk about like that hyper masculinity, that's to me what it is when, when the linear part of us has become so like solidified that that's the only thing that we're valuing is that Mm -hmm. we're on time. Like, are we not valuing like loving each other and like trying to heal some of this collective trauma that's just up and everything's so raw. And so, like, there's just, like you said, there's not only is everyone having a hard time, but like, we have way more important things yeah, to worry about. Seriously. So, basically, what I'm hearing you say is be late because that is an act of resistance. <laughs> 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 Maybe not literally. I mean, obviously, be on time for your job. You know, what's funny? <laughs> you know what's funny? I mean, I can say that because yeah, I'm self employed. Yeah. So, are you? So we, do, we do live in a different right, world. Right. So. But I mean, for other people, I don't think that that would work. <laughs> But however, as you know, as a chiropractor, you know, so when I have to see people for um, like holistic pelvic care, and I need to spend a half an hour or an hour with them, it's a it's more important that there's a timeliness. But I've also learned like, even when I'm seeing people like chiropractors do like a little more quickly over time, I've known some chiropractors who get super stressed out about people coming in exactly Mm -hmm. on time. Because it's going to ruin their whole schedule. and, And it's like this whole thing. And in my experience, so far um it flows okay like some people show some people show up early some people show up chronically late um some people are like always right on time and if you just if you just allow it it like tends to most of the time work itself out that's the thing you know like it's it's literally not the end of the world it really isn't no No. it's just just (laughs) not (laughs) no clean drinking water might be the end of the world but not being on time probably not exactly well that's probably a really good thing to I I would say so I would say so awesome well why don't you tell um, people where they can find you and if you have anything going on right now you want to share yeah so uh, they can find me on my website which is where I first got my start writing about sex and sexuality Uh, it is sexloveliberation.com and there they can read my essays and then then they can also uh, learn a little bit more about the work that I do Um, and then the thing that I'm pretty excited about and I have been excited about is my podcast it's on hiatus right now but it will be coming back super soon. Uh, and my podcast is called The Sexually Liberated Woman. And I feel so pleased to be able to have had folks like you and my mom and just other badass um, sexual healers and educators and activists who are on talking about all, all things sex positivity and um, yeah, just wanting to to heal this this rift about sex, sexuality, sensuality, all of it. So yeah, those those are the places that they can find me. Oh, and if anyone is on Instagram, they can also find me at evian.whitney. And you can see my my selfies and all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and you're, you have so many podcast episodes now that people can go and binge on even yeah, if you totally. are Yeah, I've got a really great back catalog. I think I have like 38 episodes, not including the bonus ones. So yeah, have fun, feel free. There's so many yeah. great conversations. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just really proud of, of the work that I've done, particularly on the podcast, because I think it just gives a different way for people to interact with me and the work that I do, you know? Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for again being one of my Yay. first conversations. Yeah, here. thank you for having me. I'm so I'm so thrilled. I'm like I said when you told me that you were starting a podcast, I was like, "Oh my god, yes, finally." <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find show notes at vitalvagina.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with your friends. We'll be back next week with another episode.